is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 473, recorded on Tuesday, the 3rd of March, 2020. That was funny, right? What's so funny? We said, hi, everybody. <laughs> well, it was a little different. That's what, all. Was it a little Dr. Nick, maybe? <laughs> hi, everybody. Yeah, a little, a little Dr. Nick. Okay. Well, I, I found it funny. I'm sorry. That's okay. I don't I mean to laugh at you or make fun of you. No problem. It's, but to- it's happening. Totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going for Dr. Nick, but I can see how it sort of came out that way a little bit. Dr. Nick's the best. Dr. Nick's pretty funny. Pretty funny. Anyways, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Dr. Nick, and that's Jason. <laughs> the B is for bargain. <laughs> Doctorb. Uh, anyways, look, it's uh, The Talking Dead. We are here to recap Season 10, Episode 10 of The Walking Dead. But before we do that, Jason, I have to wish you a happy Canadian Bacon Day. Is it really? Yeah, it's Canadian Bacon Day, according to daysoftheyear.com. And I'm just finding out about this now, again, when it's too late. I know, it's a little late. We got to start recording first thing in the morning, so when it's Canadian Bacon Day, you know early. Uh, Yeah, I've got enough time to prepare some whatever the delicacy of the day is. What was it last week? Uh... Good question. <laughs> I forget. Anyway, that was so last week. Oh, totally last week. Uh, now, if you're not into Canadian bacon, I have a second one here. It's also okay. apparently International Irish Whiskey Day. Oh, that, yeah, no. So I take double helping of the bacon. Well, listen, if, if you don't like bacon or you don't like whiskey, I, I just think maybe today's not the day for you. I'm, I'm afraid. Yeah. Now, frankly, I'm not a big fan of bacon itself. But Canadian bacon, on the other hand, I do enjoy. I... Gotta say, I like all the different kinds of bacon. Maybe I just don't like, I don't know, it's tough. It's been a long time since I've made bacon for myself or, uh, anyway, I think my wife likes bacon a little too crispy oh. for my taste. So I make it to her taste and she makes it to her taste. So maybe I just don't like her bacon style. Yeah, it could be. Some people like more crispy, some less crispy. Uh, I could go either way, although yeah. overdone is, is no good. I don't like yeah. super. I, I've had, it's been 20 years since I've had a piece of bacon that I really enjoyed. Wow. Well, you got to start making your own and you'll, you'll get yeah. back into it. Don't have it very often. Maybe twice a year. Maybe, maybe twice a year. All right. Well, I, I recommend get back into it, but don't overdo Canadian, it. Canadian bacon, I'm all on board. All right, cool. Yeah, don't, don't overdo anything really. No, uh, Canadian bacon or Irish whiskey, really. Uh, okay, well, that's that. Uh, here, let's get into the episode, Jason. This is season really? 10, episode 10 of The Walking Dead. Stalker. That indeed is the title, Stalker. Thank you, Lee and St. Catharines, for that. Uh, pretty straightforward title, I would say. And uh, I'm, I don't know. It's It sort of applies to the episode, I guess. I mean, it does in, in a in a important way, but I think they could have come up with something a little more creative. Yeah, like Breaking Bad trailer. <laughs> what? <laughs> the trailer in the uh, the opening scene goes into the trailer and down into a hole. Isn't that where uh, on Breaking Bad they had a trailer and down in the hole was a meth lab? Um, did they? Well, they cooked meth in the trailer. No, originally. it was in the in a hole underneath. Well, it was in a they hole underneath down in, a car wash for a while. Well, yes, but there was also uh, I think it might have been with. 
I'm forgetting. I'm going to have to go back and watch all of Breaking Bad. There was a scene where the uh, the German lady, uh, who was their source of, me- source of methylamine, uh, went had to go down into a tunnel inside a trailer down to the meth lab, and she didn't want to go because she had to climb down the stairs, and she was wearing high heels, and she was all complaining, but she's always been always complaining. Okay. Anyway, this reminded me of that. All right. Sorry to jump right in. No, that's fine. But now that we've uh, recapped Breaking Bad, let's start the episode. Beta, as you said, is walking through a field and he approaches this old broken down RV. Inside, there are a couple of other whispers just sitting there. And chilling. They, yeah, chilling out. And they slowly move for him. They open a trap door in the floor and Beta drops down into a tunnel. We see him light a lantern and make his way down the tunnel. And we go to the opening credits. Yeah. That's a little weird. I definitely thought it was uh, a little weird, but, you know, I mean, he's got a secret whisperer tunnel, which we'll talk more about later on as the episode goes on. But they have, are these guards? Like, they're they're tunnel guards, and they're dressed in their whisperer outfits with no no zombies around, and they're still wearing their masks, but sitting inside of a hot trailer during the middle of the day for, because it's their job? I think so. I think that's the idea. They're basically guarding the hole. So if, if someone else comes along and decides they want to loot whatever they might find in this, this RV, these guys kill them instead of letting them find the entrance to their tunnel. Or alert to whoever shows up that this is important. Well, right? I, if you just found a, an empty abandoned trailer in the middle of a field uh, and you went inside to loot it and there was nothing in there because the whole thing was like complete garbage and there was nothing left, you'd just leave. You wouldn't go, oh, you know what? I'm going to start looking for secret entrances to underground caverns. Well, yeah, you might find it anyways, but maybe the these whisperers' job was to, you know, if they see someone coming, whip their masks off and pretend they're just regular people who are living in there, like surviving in the apocalypse. I don't know. Anyway, I think it's a waste of guards and a waste of time and the worst job ever. Yeah, probably the worst job ever. They did seem pretty bored just sitting there. There, uh, there's better ways to hide entrances to caves, like uh, security through obscurity. This just kind of points a bright, bright red arrow at, geez, <laughs> why are these two people hanging out in this trailer if it's all burnt or burnt out and garbage and there's nothing in here? Yeah. Like, there what are they doing? Something. Must there be must be good. something. Let's look harder yeah. now that we've killed them because there's only two of them. <laughs> right. And there were 19 of us, but all right. Well, we come back from the opening credits and we've got Coco, the baby, fussing in bed. Rosita gets up to comfort her. She goes into the bathroom to make a bottle. Uh, It's a diaper. She's unpacking a cloth diaper. Oh, I thought for some reason she was making a bottle. I guess I wasn't paying attention at that moment. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'll try to pay attention more. Anyways, she's doing something to, you know, get ready to go back and comfort the baby and hopefully get it back to sleep. But she's suddenly aware of somebody in the bedroom. She turns to see a whisperer standing over the crib. He pulls out a knife and stabs down at the baby. Yeah. As soon as I saw the whisperer, I knew it was a dream. Well, of course. It was a, a dream. She startles awake, and then she re- receives a radio call from Father Gabe. But did this um, put off your uh, your hurting a baby radar that you is so strong when watching TV, Jason? Uh, no, because they... I, no, it didn't. And I think uh, now that I look back on it, because I didn't even consider that that I knew it was a dream the moment I saw the whisperer. So yeah. I was not in fear of uh, a baby being harmed. Right. So even if it was pretend, because even pretend babies being pretend harmed, 
bugs me. Yeah, I know. I know. I've, and I've, Jasper's a little older now, so that helps. Right. You're not equating babies with him so much anymore. Yeah. I'm not absolutely terrified of uh, falling down the stairs while I'm carrying him. Right. Because normally he walks down the stairs himself. And if he falls, well, he's a toddler. That's what they're supposed to do. They have hard heads. He'll be fine. Right. But when he was uh, a little tiny infant and I would start walking down the stairs, I'm like, holy shit, I better not fall. Right. Well, just, just do it like, you know, be less drunk usually when you're doing it and you'll probably be fine. I'm always less drunk. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's not I don't, funny. I'm not even entirely sure I've had a drink since he was born. You, ha uh, oh, I don't know. We haven't hung out much since he was no. born in meat space anyways. Yeah. No, I have no, I don't even think I've had a drink since uh, he was born. All right. Well, uh, that's good. So we go to the front gate of Alexandria now, and this is where I guess Father Gabe was radioing from. We have a group of Alexandrians, and they have brought Gamma to outside the gate. She removes her mask and tells them that Daryl and the group are trapped in this uh, mine. They talk about the Horde location, but Gabe and Rosita don't believe her. You know, apparently Father Gabe can tell she's lying. And so she reveals, Gamma does, that the baby... Uh, that they left outside Hilltop was her nephew, and this is why she's there trying to help them. Right. So Gamma also says that the baby's mother is dead, and Gabe, Father Gabe, wants to know where the cave is. So he decides to allow her in, and as she walks forward, Rosita punches her in the face and says to put Gamma in the cell. And it looked to me like Rosita, like, one-punched her unconscious. Yeah, the well, it's a it's a TV and movie trope. I was going to mention that that uh, when you punch somebody, uh, you basically hit their unconscious button, and they just fall unconscious immediately. The thing is, it's not. It can't be that unrealistic. Because no, it, it can happen, but you have to hit somebody really hard. Yeah, or or I think just the right way. I mean, you know, and everybody knows. I watch a lot of hockey. And yeah. occasionally still there is fighting in hockey. It's way, you know, less than it used to be. Really? Yeah. But every once in a while, a guy will take a punch and get knocked out. And it's okay. not a very good scene because if, if the other guy doesn't somehow catch him before he falls, he ends up falling and smashing his head on the ice. And it's horrible. And nobody likes to see that. But I have seen multiple times over the years, a guy get punched unconscious in a hockey fight. So that to me means that it, it can't actually be that hard to do, uh, yeah. because it seems to happen. Now these are big, strong guys who more or less kind of know what they're doing, but still. It happens in MMA all the time. It yeah. happens in boxing. I mean, it, it, it happens, but these, you know, in the, all those cases so far are, you know, professional athletes or at least, you know, talented amateurs sure. that, uh, that, you know, knock people unconscious, but a couple of things. One, uh, when somebody falls unconscious like that, they're not unconscious for very long. They're not like, okay, no. I've hit the fall asleep button. We've got three hours to get gamma from this street, uh, to, to the cage. Uh, why, why not just walk her to the cage? Like why punch her? Well, I don't think a Rosita's intention was to knock her out to do that. I think she just wanted to punch her in the face cause she's a oh, whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ironically, I've, uh, I've read and heard that, uh, boxing would be less violent if they didn't wear gloves. Uh, because the gloves give you a false sense of, or, or, or they think you 
you need to punch harder or, or that it you, won't they hurt protect as much? Your hands. They yeah. protect your hands. The bones in your hands are uh, less sturdy than the bones in somebody's skull or right. chest or arms or, uh, you know, everywhere you're allowed to hit. Uh, so you're more likely if you punch really hard to break your knuckles than you are to break a jaw or to knock somebody unconscious. Uh, it can't happen obviously, but once they put gloves on them, they could hit harder, mm-hmm. which means that you get hit harder yeah. in boxing. Well, I guess that, that makes some sense too. Uh, it's, it's less bloody too. So right. maybe that's, that's the reason. Less broken hands, more broken noses maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and more exciting and more entertaining. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, we go out into the forest and Daryl is stalking some whisperers. So I guess here's one of the reasons the episode's called, uh, Stalker. Yeah. He's doing a, this is a, my, my, my first thought was that he was doing a Hobbit impression. A Hobbit impression? Yeah. This was like the scene, uh, when, uh, Frodo and Samwise and Merry and Pippin were hiding on the edge of the, on the edge of a dirt cliff when the, uh, the ring wraith was looking for them on the horse. Okay. Yep. And they were hiding because hobbits are really, 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 really good at hiding. Yeah. So I thought, oh, Daryl's a hobbit. I get it now. It makes okay. perfect sense. <laughs> I can see it. Sure. He's yeah. a hobbit. Well, he's, yeah, he's hiding down kind of a little bit down a slight hill from them. Um, one of the whisperers finds a bolt in a dead whisperer or maybe a dead zombie. I wasn't sure. Uh, Daryl sneaks up behind, but before he can do anything, another whisperer appears with a shotgun. So he has to back off and Alpha turns out is there too. And Mm -hmm. she looks like she's leading walkers out of a mine entrance. So Daryl hides before they can see him. Yeah. Right. So So I guess he doesn't have the advantage of, uh, of sneaking up on them anymore. No. And I guess this is the other entrance he decided to go looking for. And maybe this I mean, this must be the way Alpha gets her, her walkers in and out of the mine, right? Yeah. And it's uh, convenient that this particular entrance slash mine shaft has a, uh, a hobbit hidey place where Daryl can hide real close to the, uh, to the entrance. Of course. But it, it didn't really help him because before he could do anything, he was clearly outnumbered. So he, he hides again. We go back to Gamma. She wakes up in the cell and Rosita and Gabe are there. They talk about killing the last Whisperer they had in the cell, which was Dante. And Gamma says she doesn't know anything about him, which remember a lot of people were upset and we talked a little bit about how come, um, what was it? Uh, Gamma didn't know anything about Dante or vice versa. This, this is like the one line that explains that there was no mention of either of them by the other one before, because she didn't know anything about that whole thing. Yeah. I don't know everybody in my community. No, exactly. I don't know what everyone's doing at every moment of the day. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, Gabe says that she needs to convince them that she's different from the others and he can tell that she's lying because he's taken many confessions over the years. She mentions God and Father Gabe says, God already told me to hang you. Uh, (laughs) I thought that was a pretty great line, actually. No, it was horrible. I liked it. I did not like it because there was an easy comeback for that. There was, uh, you have to, I would have said something like that just shows your own hubris that you think that God would tell you to hang somebody. Come on. Right. Yeah. That, you know, that makes me believe that you're not really a man of cloth, man of the cloth. You're just a sham who thinks he hears God, who wants to do violence and thinks that God is supporting that. 
Well, I must admit, everything else with Father Gabe in this episode, almost everything, kind of made me feel that way. Yeah, I mean, he might be angry, and he might want to hurt the Walkers or the Whisperers, uh, and he, you know, he may want to, he may even think that God said to hang her, but, uh, you know, that's 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 him thinking that that's not God. Well, sure, but I think I, in the moment I thought it was a a pretty good line, but. As I said, everything else that Father Gabe does in this episode made me feel a little bit uncomfortable in his desire for vengeance and violence and stuff like that. Yeah. But at this moment, I'm like, I spoke to God. He told me to hang you. (laughs) (laughs) I was pretty good. Yeah. But it just, in my mind, it would, it's an easy thing to recover from. If somebody had said that to me, it'd be like, well, I can pick that apart. Yeah. That's bullshit. Well, instead of doing that, Gamma reveals that she killed her own sister, not just that her sister was dead, and she said it was for no other reason than serving Alpha, and this is what convinces Father Gabe that she's now being truthful with them, because I guess she had to reveal her darkest secret. Yeah, he's got a, you know, he's got a a God-powered lie detector collar. Yes, he does. (laughs) I spoke to God, and he... And he told me you're not lying. Yeah. Okay. That's right. fine. Yeah. He, he speaks to me through my collar. Yeah. Cause well, he pointed at it and said, because you know, this isn't just a symbol. I am a man of God. Mm-hmm. He told me to, to hang you. <laughs> you're right. Okay. This is my, uh, direct line to God collar. Yeah. Uh, Alpha and other whispers are leading walkers across a stream out in the forest somewhere. Suddenly one is shot by a bolt. So of course it's <gasps> Daryl. And he attacks them, and he ends up fighting Alpha. But does he, he knows Alpha, right? Uh, well, I mean, he's aware of her. Does he? Has he ever met her? Does yeah. Does he know to look for her by her belt buckle? Because that's how I know how to look for her. Well, he does because he stood at the border, right, when she's been there. So they've met before. So he shoots not Alpha. No, he shot some other whisperer right beside her. Right, because Alpha right now has the plot device shield. She cannot be killed well, because she's a plot device. Look, Alpha has it, Daryl has it, Beta has it. Uh, a lot of people are wearing this plot shield right now, Jason. Yeah. Well, my only thought at this point was Daryl didn't know who Alpha was. But, you know, after thinking about it for a while, that's bullshit. Yeah. So, you know what? Maybe that- his eyesight isn't as good as it used to be and he was far enough away. Maybe he just missed. Although I, I would say Daryl never misses, but. His eyesight's going to get worse in a second. It does. He gets injured, blood gets in his eyes, and so he can't see very well. And we get Daryl blood vision a bunch of times here during this battle, which is kind of gross. And I must admit, I found it a little annoying. Uh, well, it can be, yeah. But, you know, when you get hit in the head, head wounds bleed a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know. It's not like sweat getting in your eyes where you're like, ah, crap, I got sweat in my eyes. It kind of stings and then you wipe it away. It's uh, like if you got a head wound and it's gushing, uh, you're, you're done seeing. Right. Like you're, that's it. Unless you get that thing sewn up or have a handy bandana, which you should always carry a bandana. Yeah. I don't know what Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was talking about, carrying a, uh, a, a towel everywhere. What you should have is a bandana. Well, I mean, a towel can act as a bandana, plus it's bigger. Yeah, but you can't go out in the world with a friggin' towel around your neck and expect everybody to not look at you like you're a friggin' idiot. But you can tuck a squared, you know, tucked a folded bandana in your pocket and just have it handy. 
All right. Well, he was in the middle of a fight here, Daryl, so he couldn't reach for his bandana or his towel, whichever he had with him. Um, but he manages to slice Alpha and put a stick through her shoulder. So he hurts uh-huh. her too, right? He, he gets yep. some shots in. Now, walkers are closing in, so he has to fight them off instead. Alpha grabs a knife, a big one, and jams it into Daryl's leg. So now not only does he have some kind of head wound, but he also has a giant knife sticking out of his thigh. And at this point, they're both pretty badly injured, Daryl and Alpha. I would think so. And uh, I was wondering, when I the first time I saw this, so I watched this episode twice, which I don't normally do, but you recommended I do, so I did. Because I do everything you recommend I do. Almost like like not walk time. down the stairs drunk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've always not walked down the stairs drunk. So when I watched it, I was, uh, my first thought was, why did he get up and leave her, uh, with his back to her or yeah, with his back to her, uh, and leave her alive. But then I was thinking, he's asking, where are they? Where are they? I'm not sure I remember who he's referring to, but we'll get back to that. Um, but he doesn't want to kill her. Right. Mm-hmm. He wants to extract information from her. So he thought uh, that she was incapacitated enough that he could take care of some of these uh, walkers yep. and then get back to it. Yep. So, and then, you know, he, he turns his back on your mortal enemy and what happens? They get the upper hand and they stick a friggin' four inch blade into your thigh. Yeah. Which is a pretty bad place to get stabbed. I mean, there are worse places, but you don't want to get a knife that big stuck in you anywhere. Was he stabbing zombies with that knife? Uh, n- well, I, I'm not, was that her knife or did she grab it from him while he was poking the stick into her shoulder? Uh, that's her knife. That's her I'm knife. Pretty so sure, I'm pretty sure that's her knife. I mean, that knife uh, doesn't, that probably has got some grossness on it. Yeah. Cause we know that, you know, getting zombie gore into a wound is bad news. Yeah. Yet they... Get it all over their body anyways, but let's not get into that right now. He, either way, yeah. he's got a, he's got a badly injured leg and face and she has a badly injured shoulder cause there was a stick stuck through it. Yeah. Not just uh, a knife wound, but this was like a pointy stick. So that's a big gaping, nasty ass wound right. and like a perfect spot for it because if it was anywhere else in her chest, she'd probably die. Yeah. And he's grounded into that hole a little bit. So it's got to hurt. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, Gamma is showing Father Gabe the location of the Horde on a map, and she mentions that the border is too long for Alpha to, to defend, so they start formulating a plan. But uh, Rosita is there, and she's skeptical. Gabe assures them that they've broken Alpha, or sorry, they broke Gamma, and that she's telling the truth. And he rants about how they can break others by torturing them, other Whisperers. And he calls the Whisperers all an act. Uh, So this is where I started thinking that Father Gabe is going a little off the deep end here. He is out for revenge and, you know, hurting these people more than anything else. Yep. Um, We go back over to Alpha and she, she now comes to an old abandoned gas station. She notices some fresh blood on a pump as she walks by it. So I have a question about this gas station. Sure. What year did the zombie apocalypse happen? 2009? Or 10, yeah. Okay. Gas pumps didn't look like this in 2009. Yeah, but there are still gas pumps around to this day that look like that. Really? 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends where you are. I, I drove past like an old gas station that's never been updated. One of those old like independent ones, you know, and there's probably lots more of those out in rural areas too. So you pull the, the gas handle thing out. You have to flip that big stupid switch. Yeah. Uh, and then you put it in the gas tank and it goes, ting, look, ting. you, you live in a big modern city, but like out in the middle of nowhere, there's plenty of gas stations like that. I don't know, man. I pumped gas back in 2000, no, 1992, <laughs> 90, no, 93 to 94. Uh-huh. Like I, I worked at Petrocan and I pumped gas and even back then. Gas, gas pumps did not look like this. Well, where you worked, but I'm telling you, you didn't Downtown work. Downtown Toronto, yeah. Yeah, you didn't work in a little, like, one-off independent gas station in, you know, a tiny town in, in the middle of nowhere. There, I, I and just, in, in fact, there are still gas stations like that in the city. I drove by one uh, on the weekend. I need pictures. All right. I need I need picture proof because I, uh, I, I just, my, my brain was just saying, this is obviously a set. I can't, I can't wrap my head around the fact that this is a real gas station. You got to get out more. There are plenty of them. I bet you people are going to write in and be like, what's that guy talking about? There are gas stations like that all over the country. I, I want that. I want that. I want to appreciate this a little bit more than I do right now. All right. Please. If anybody lives near an old time or not old timey, because that implies like, you know, built recently to mimic an old style, but I want yep. like an old, genuinely old gas station with those old gas pumps. If you live near one, take a photo and send it to us. That'd be great. That would be great. <laughs> we need to prove it to Jason that they exist. Anyways, she walks by, Alpha walks by, notices fresh blood on one of the pumps. And of course, Daryl is inside the building with the knife still sticking out of his leg, kind of lying on the floor. He's in pretty bad shape, it looks like. I don't think he can get up and walk at this point. So Alpha sits down on something just inside the door and starts banging on the wall to summon a few nearby walkers. Right. So instead of walking over to kill Daryl herself, she decides to summon walkers and let them do the job for her. Well, why waste shotgun shells when she has, uh, you know, a, a, a barnacle covered weapon just outside? I guess. But to me, this felt like we need... You know, we need a, uh, we need a reason for her not to just do this. That seems kind of plausible. And I think what we were supposed to believe is she's weakened. She can hardly move. So she needs to stop there. But she's like, I can't just let Daryl live. So I'm going to see if these walkers will take him out for me. But to me, it just felt like plot getting in the way of story kind of, or no, something like there's, that. There's, there's two kinds of bad guys. Yeah. In, in you know, uh, fiction. The, there's the bad guy like Beta, who is the down and dirty, I'm going to slice you up and uh, kill you. He's the physical bad guy. He is uh, intimidating and uh, effective and scary and is able to kill many people. There, then there's the alpha type bad guy, which is uh, the thinker, the one that is not as physically strong, but has uh, a very high intelligence and uses minions and the minions come and do their dirty work. They don't do the dirty work themselves. They set up this situation to take care of uh, the problems that they have. So that's what she's doing. She's using her tools as a uh, as that type of leader. Sure, but I just feel like that 90% of the time, minions are used because 
there's no other decent explanation for why the hero is able to survive, right? Oh, well, it's all part of the you know, story. I know but it yeah. is. But th- this just kind of felt egregious to me. She's obviously walked all the way there. She walked into the place. But in the last, like, 10 steps to where he is, she decides to sit down and not take him out. Like, if there was some sort of obvious good reason that she doesn't want to kill him, which maybe is there and I'm not picking up on, um, then I could live with it a little bit better. But to me, this just felt like we need it to seem plausible that Daryl survives this. And if Alpha just walks up to him and shoots him in the face with the shotgun she's holding, uh, well, that's too easy. So what if, the, what if the shotgun doesn't work? What if it's just a, a symbol and she doesn't have any ammo for it? She never shoots it. Well, well then just bash his head in with it. I mean, there's lots of things well, she can do. Daryl's more physically capable than she is. She's not that type of bad guy. Remember? Yeah, I guess. So but- my only explanation, if they just would have showed that the, uh, uh, the shotgun was useless at some point, this would have made a lot more sense. Okay. I mean, even that I could be a little bit more on board with, but you know, if, if there's a guy with a knife in his leg and a slice on his face and he's on the ground and he can't even stand up anymore, if you can stand up and walk, even if you're weaker or, you know, whatever, you have a pretty good upper hand. So it, it just, it felt off to me. Then, you know, she's also in the, uh, uh, the auto body shop of a gas station or, you know, uh, a mechanic shop of a gas station. Uh, there's lots of weapons that she could use to, uh, take care of, dispatch somebody who has been injured and is on the ground and can't get up. Yes. There's all there's gotta be a long stick. There's gotta be a mop. I mean, good Lord. I mean, you get, uh, uh, you get Morgan with a mop. He's a, you know, he's a machine. Right. Right. There's probably an old tire line around that you just pick up and like throw down on someone a few times. Oh my God. And then light it on fire. And then light it on fire. Yeah. There's yeah. all kinds of things. That's an awful, awful thing to do. That happens. It sounds pretty terrible. Yeah. Anyways, we go to commercial break, come back and Father Gabe and Rosita are getting prepared to move out. And Speaking of shotgun shells, like he actually has two shotgun shells that he pulls out of a box. Uh, so these are revered, saved uh, for a rainy day, shotgun shells, and he loads his shotgun with them. So, well, the time has come. These are his revenge shells. And so he's putting them in. Um, he mentions that she was off in the meeting room and they argue about being sort of unready for what they're about to do. And she says he's looking for a fight and being careless, but she insists that she's good to go to, you know, do whatever they're about to do. Yeah. That baby doesn't need parents. Nope, not at all. Gamma in her cell. Uh, Judith from outside the window asks her her name and also what she was like before the Whisperers. And Gamma talks about where she's from, mentions her parents' names, and then she can't remember where she went to school. And I thought this was kind of dumb too, because who wouldn't remember where they went to school? But is this a brainwashing thing? Has, has Gamma, I mean, has Alpha somehow like erased memories from her people? No, it's a trauma thing. She also remember she murdered her own sister, right? right. On her own, uh, thought that, uh, Alpha wanted her to, right? She, Alpha, like she explained, Alpha didn't even have to ask. It's just, I did this because I thought that's something Alpha would want me to do. Yeah. So she's gone through a lot of trauma and to get to that point, she has to, uh, you know, be 
mentally compromised. I don't know how, but maybe suppressing where she went to school isn't the, isn't what she suppressed or that, that history. It's that, uh, I can't deal with the fact that I killed my own sister. Right. I've got to, you know, I've got to suppress all my memories of me and my sister, which would include going to school. I guess so. But doesn't she even allude a little bit to alpha brainwashing the people and making them forget things? Yeah. That's, that's magic. I, that must be. I have to hang on to this instead of that horseshit. Sure, she's tra- she's been through a great deal of trauma, and and it's affected her memory. That that and, I'm fine. And with. memory's messed up, right? It's a completely unreliable thing. Oh yeah. I uh, the other night I was I don't know what I was dreaming about, but in my dream, uh, I was trying to catalog all of the projects that I worked on for uh, the company that I currently work for, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I started at that project, and I was trying to go through all the project, and there's a gray area. There's some gray areas in there where I don't remember everything. Sure. Like, oh, I remember being at that office, but was that a project or just a sales call? What the hell was that? Anyway, <laughs> memory can be messed up, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little worried that I don't remember all those projects, so I might have to go and make a list at some point. Well- Flesh this out. You're probably just going to continue to forget them, so you better make that list soon. Well, it's seriously not important, right? (laughs) Right. Why the fuck do I need to remember that shit? Anyway, memory is messed up. Uh, Eyewitness testimony is bad. We can replace uh, actual memories with uh, information that is not related to the memory and remember that more than the actual memory. We can actually overwrite memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Forgetting where you went to school, I mean, that's pretty bad, but based on the trauma that she's probably had over the last couple of years. I suppose it's possible, I yeah. Don't think it's, I don't think it's unrealistic. Right. Well, Judith mentions that Gamma doesn't look like a monster uh, because I guess she just feels like she's done some monstrous things. Uh, but then Rosita approaches and tells Judith that they're going on lockdown and to get inside. So... I mean, just before we leave this, it seems like Judith will just, it's just free to chat with anybody through that window. Anybody in the cell, Judith can just walk up and start having a conversation with. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, maybe it's not uh, Negan that has the problem. Maybe it's Judith that has the problem. It might be. She's way too friendly with their prisoners. So maybe Negan, you know, uh, didn't want to have a conversation, but she just kept Asking questions and eventually you just want them to shut up. Right. People that ask questions a lot. Oh, you can't beat them. Join them. He just decided like, oh, if she's going to be here every day, I might as well talk to her. Yeah. He's a bit of a talker anyway. So. Oh yeah. So I can forgive that relationship a little bit more than I have based on this information. Sure. Okay. Well, we cut over back to the gas station. Alpha's still banging on the wall. The zombies come in and they mostly ignore her because she has her mask on, I guess. Although the third one who comes in, who's this really big buff looking zombie, he leans down and growls right at her. And yeah. this felt a little unwalker like to me. He's my favorite. He yeah. was, uh, he, he looked like he had barnacles all over him too. Right. Uh, but those are the, uh, the mushrooms that grow on the side of trees. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what on that him. was. Cause, cause the other guys had trees growing out of them, out of them and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, these guys were awesome. I don't know if, I mean, unrealistic. They're zombies. Right? They're unrealistic. They can scream at people if they want. Yeah, I guess so. But it, it, it almost felt like that zombie was like looking down going, wait a minute. Are you a person or are you a zombie? Screamed at her and then decided it was a zombie and moved on. Yeah. Okay. No, so imagine, if you will, that you are a, uh, a researcher and you are researching or, you know, 
doing a study on crows and you go to an area where there's a bunch of crows, like thousands and thousands of them, and you catalog all these crows and you describe them all. They're all black. So I've seen this crow and it's black and this crow is black and this crow is black. And every crow you've ever seen during your 25 years of research has been black. Sure. So you conclude that crows are black. Seems like a fair conclusion. You'd be wrong. Oh. Because there are crows that are not black. I mean, they're not anything, that, uh, any albino, uh, you know, it creeps up every once in a while and you get a disc, odd discolored uh, animal. So out there, it is possible to have a crow that is not black, like gray or white or cream color or whatever, but it is a fallacy to assume that everything fits into the conclusion you've made based on your observations. So we've seen a lot of zombies in this show. This one screams at other zombies. Maybe he was a drill instructor in his real life and his, uh, like his previous life and his residual memory is yelling at people. And this is all he knows is yelling at people. So when he sees another person, whether it's a zombie or not, he yells at them. Fair enough. You've convinced me. <laughs> all right. And he's got barnacles on him. So I'm, um, I'm willing to forgive him a lot. All right. Barnacle zombie who screams at people. So they move into the place, into the gas station, and they go after Daryl, of course. But he manages to kill all three of them without getting up. First one with a fire extinguisher. Because it falls down. Because it, well, he kicked it off a table, right? And it fell down, and then he picked it up and smashed the zombie with it. What's, no, the zombie fell down. Oh, well, <laughs> the first, no, but I thought he knocked its legs out, though. No, the second one, he knocked the legs out. The first one just fell down. He tripped over a milk crate. Okay, well, that's lucky. Zombies do <laughs> yeah. that a lot. But he gets it with a fire extinguisher. The next one falls down and he gets it with the crowbar. Uh, I think that he's got. Yeah. And then the third one gets on top of him and he has to pull the knife out of his leg and yeah. stab the zombie, which, you know, kills the zombie. But now there is blood just spewing out of his leg, like big artery spewing fountain of blood. Yeah, he's dead. This is an unsurvi unsurvivable wound in this uh, I, situation. I fully agree with you. I think I think Alpha should have been dead by now, and I think Daryl should have been dead by now. Or yeah, Alpha's soon. got what's probably a sucking chest wound, uh, which your lung collapses, and that's it. You're all done breathing. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And Daryl's got this, uh, like there's some big friggin' arteries in your leg. Yes, huge ones. Right? Uh, so... Uh, severing one of those is like the only artery that's bigger than the one, there's one in you just on your inner thigh. And the only artery that's bigger than that is your aorta. Mm -hmm. Like even your, uh, even your art, uh, carotid artery going into your head is not as big. So, uh, having a wound in that, uh, with a knife and then pulling it out and if you're seeing spray like that, yeah. that's artery, right? Yeah. That's not just veins. That's, that's arterial spray. Yep. You are. Fucked unless you are real close to a really well-equipped trauma center. Immediate medical, expert medical attention is what you need. Otherwise, you're toast. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that if it happened today, uh, if they could, if, if they make, if you make it to the hospital, you'll probably survive it. But, you know, the chances that you'll make it to the hospital are not that great. No. Well, anyways, Daryl, he's Daryl, so he survives. Yeah, he's fine. It's just his arteries will knit together, no problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, without any, with, you know, very little intervention. Uh, if somebody happens to find you hours later. Right. 
Yeah. Which happens. Of course. Spoiler. Well, Alexandria, uh, we go back there and they are preparing the teams. Laura is on the radio with somebody who's claiming there's a herd of at least 100 being sent by the Whisperers. Mm -hmm. And so they talk about splitting up to protect both gates, uh, but then Gabe changes his mind and says one skeleton crew will stay back on gate duty and he'll take a team out to the herd and then to the cave. So now Rosita says that she's going to be a liability out there. So even though in the last scene we had with her, she was like, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. She's decided that she's not ready to go and she doesn't want to do this. And she admits to having nightmares about the whisperers to which Gabe understands and kisses her goodbye. So she changed her tune awfully quick. It happens. You can change your mind. I guess so. And I think she was thinking about her daughter, right? And decided this baby needs a parent. And if you're going, I better stay here. Yeah. Okay. Smart. We take a commercial break. And when we return, it is uh, nighttime inside Alexandria. And there is a grave. And all of a sudden, the dirt in the grave suddenly sinks and a hand pushes out of the ground and yeah. out climbs a hulk of a man. So we know that it's Beta. And uh, this is... for the. I watched this episode twice, as you did. Yeah. And the first time I watched it, by now in the episode, I'd actually completely forgotten about the cold open and how Beta dropped into that tunnel. And, you know, he... He, well, he, I guess the tunnel led to this grave. So I was like, what the hell is going on? How is Beta in the ground? How did he get there? Did he, when did he sneak in? Um, and then on second watch, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a tunnel. And then I started thinking to myself, why is there a tunnel? How the hell did they dig a tunnel? What is going on? So I assumed that they've been tunneling under Alexandria for quite some time. Well, this he, wasn't just a, hey, the caverns happen to be under Alexandria. And this friggin' guy seems to be able to navigate underground to tell where he is so that he could dig up and, you know, know that he's within the, uh, the fence line of Alexandria. How do you know that if you're walking two kilometers underground? Well, here's the thing. Like, we know that there are sewers and stuff because our characters have gone into the sewers before. Remember, Carl died in the yep. sewer, right? But this is not the same thing, or, or maybe it is, and this is just like an offshoot that they've dug, because this was an actual tunnel. And I think what we are supposed to believe is that Dante, when he was out there digging that grave for Cheryl, what he was actually doing was sort of like finishing the end of the tunnel that he knew his Whisperer buddies were digging, right? Uh. Because cause this was a grave, and I, I think it was supposed to be Cheryl's grave. Um, but the whole thing, the whole thing to me is just like, guys, you can't like invent a secret tunnel out of nowhere like this. You need to set this up somehow. They needed a zombie type person to come out of a grave with an arm. I know. They were looking for the visual of this shot and didn't give a fuck how the logic worked to get us here. But that's not good. You can't do that. You can't throw logic out the window for one good shot. And hey, it was a good shot. It's a very iconic zombie shot, a hand coming out of a grave. You know, that's what we've seen. It's great. 
But the whole concept here that the Whisperers have been digging a tunnel from who knows where, underground, into Alexandria, undetected, I Uh thought was one of the dumber things that this show has asked us to believe and buy into. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely difficult to do. And did they... What did they do with the body in the grave? Did they dig through it? Well, I'm did not. They who, pull it out. Who cares? They pulled it out from from below, or maybe maybe Dante never even put a body in there. You know, I don't know. It, yeah. Okay. Maybe this is how they got the tiger in when the tiger attacked uh, uh, Negan. Yeah, maybe it came in through the tunnels. They, they were well, already how are you there. A tiger over the wall, right? Like we couldn't figure out how to get the frigging tiger over the wall. Yeah, they snuck it in through the sewers. I guess so. Yeah. They, they dug a tunnel and this is the tiger tunnel. The idea that the sewers are there actually helps me a little bit because there are already sewers under the town and they could move in those sewers. And, you know, maybe if the sewer went right under that graveyard, um, you could just dig straight up. Seems a little bit more plausible, but obviously that RV wasn't over a sewer. It was just over a tunnel somewhere that they've dug. So yeah, it, I didn't like it. I thought it was dumb. I thought it was too much of a stretch. And uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm not happy about that because I think it, it was, was all for the shot. I mean, it would have been shot. better if he had, uh, you know, dug under the fence like a dog, right? You just, yeah. You, dog digs under the fence and digs, digs enough under the fence that you can crawl through. If they had shown that, I'd be, that'd be fine. Right? I mean, I think it still might have been dumb, but it, at least you understand how it happened. And 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 yeah. like they made a point of telling us that there was just a skeleton crew left at Alexandria. Like their 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 guards are depleted. You know, they're not watching everywhere every moment, which opens up the opportunity for someone to dig under the fence. But to to make us tr- want to ask us to believe that for the last months or years potentially, the Whisperers have been digging a tunnel into Alexandria. I don't buy it. And I think it's lazy. So come on. Okay. I'm with you. Anyways, Beta is now in Alexandria and he goes on a killing spree. So first he goes into one house and there's a character there called Alfred, who we've seen before, and another guy and they're gearing up and uh, Alfred's joking around about beating up Lydia. (laughs) Fun, hilarious guy there. Yeah. And how the Whisperers can barely fight. So this shouldn't be a problem. But then Beta comes in and kills them both. Then uh, he kills a group of people who seem to be having some sort of nice get together in a house, maybe a little dinner party, but we only see it from outside and the lights goes out. The lights well, go out. It's a perfect night for it, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, we're on lockdown. Uh, there's a horde out there. We got people leaving. Uh, we're going to be very careful. You know what? This is a perfect opportunity for us to uh, eat the rest of our preserves. Right. So let's have a preserve party. Well, during their party, Alpha, I mean, Beta kills them all, and then he kneels amongst them. Yeah. And we got our first holy crap here from Adam in Texas. He writes, holy crap, did you see Beta the murder machine? It was like watching a slasher movie in a zombie movie. And then Sam on the internet wrote, holy crap, the scene with Beta killing, killing Alexandrians and making his own mini herd was badass. It was pretty badass. It was. The way he went in there and just took everybody out, it was uh, pretty crazy. And the fact that he just sat there and waited for them to come back to life and he made sure he didn't stab any of them in the brain. Yep. Like this was all, it was just, it's, this was very lich-like. This, I think, uh, you know, I called him a hill giant before, but I'm pretty sure he's a lich. That uh, basically what he's doing is he's, you know, 
raising the dead. He's the same thing as the White Walkers. Yeah. Right? So they're, uh, they raise their army of the dead in order to fight alongside of them in their battles. And that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Killed a bunch it's of fucking people. awesome. This was probably my favorite scene in the whole episode. Well, it was pretty cool. The, despite how he got into the town, what he did when he got there was pretty badass. Yeah, he's an, there. We'll, we'll forget about how he got there. He's yeah. just, he's there. This is pretty badass. Pretty badass from a, like an evil guy perspective. So, yeah. uh, out, outside on the road, uh, Gabe and, or out, outside of Alexandria on the road, Gabe and team find a bunch of dead people, but no herd. And on the radio, then Rosita confirms that nothing has attacked Alexandria either. So Father Gabe realizes that the radio call that Laura took earlier must have been made under duress. And now they've left almost nobody defending Alexandria. So they've been fooled. They've been hoodwinked. You think that was the plan? I think that was the Whisperer plan. Yeah. I how'd think they, so. How'd they hide the herd after they showed the herd? Well, I don't know. But the Whisperers the go? seem to be able to do all kinds of things that I can't explain right now. What are those dead bodies? Uh, maybe those are dead. Well, they're, I mean, the Whisperers have access to dead bodies. Maybe they planted them there. Yeah, but they said they were dead bodies, not dead zombies, right? Uh, well, I guess, I mean, dead bodies stabbed in the head. I, I don't know. But the point is they've. That, that this, this didn't add up for me either. It's like, right. well, why, why was this the plan or is this happenstance? Like they were bringing the, uh, uh, my understanding was that because Gamma or because Negan convinced Gamma, or, back up, <laughs> because Negan convinced Alpha yes. that Gamma was the traitor uh-huh. and that where is Gamma? Gamma's gone. Uh, Gamma's, you know, uh, defecting that Alpha had to move the herd. And that's what she was doing was that they were moving the herd. So I didn't think that they were planning a ruse in order to counterattack Alexandria. I think this whole fucking thing is an, uh, is a coincidence. It's just a big coincidence, but I, you could be right because Beta, unless I'm mistaken, never really says exactly to Alpha what he's going to do, right? He says he's going to go after Gamma and, and kill her, but Alpha wants him to bring her back. But, you know, Alpha doesn't know necessarily that he's going to have to go to Alexandria and break in. I mean, unless that conversation happened off screen, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, I think that's what, uh, yeah. So maybe that's what he's doing is that his, his mission is to infiltrate Alexandria and get Gamma and get her out of there and bring her back. But Alpha's mission is to move the herd. Mm-hmm. And it's only a coincidence that a bunch of people left because they, they spotted the herd. Okay, maybe. To me, though, it felt like this was the idea that Beta was breaking in while the defenses at Alexandria were depleted or, or less than usual. But I guess it could be a yeah. could be a coincidence, and if so, again, I feel like that's a little bit lazy in the writing department. Okay, so you're let's speculate. You live in a gated community with a uh, a fifteen foot tall wall around the whole thing. Right. This is the hypothetical. I don't actually live in a gated community. No, you don't live in a gated community. But let's say you live in a town like Alexandria, and you have a wall around the whole thing, and that uh, a zombie herd of a hundred zombies are spotted, uh, coming your way. Yeah. Where are you going to fight those zombies? In your defensive position? Or are you going to get a bunch of people and go out to 
to where you're not well defended and fight somebody on their own turf. I mean, it feels like you'd want to stay home and fight them from your defensive position. Yeah. Right. So what the hell's going on? Nobody's making any smart decisions here. Well, maybe this is Father Gabe's mind being clouded by revenge, right? And he's God. Like, <laughs> clouded by God. Well, whatever. Uh, but I, I need you to hang a bunch of people. Please go hang some people. Yeah. I don't care if they're dead already. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Maybe he is confused and he's not thinking straight. So instead of doing the smart thing, he takes a team of people out and, uh, and that, that screws everything up. But on the other hand, you can kind of understand the way he's thinking, right? He's like, our our people are out there and they're stuck, so they might need us to come help. So maybe that's what he's doing. He's going out thinking, we'll deal with this herd away from home, just in case it's, I don't know, bigger than we expected. And then we'll go and help everyone who's stuck. Um, which kind of makes some sense, but I don't know. He yeah. does well, seem like he's- it depends on tactics, right? Right. Like if you, uh, okay, I'm going to have a uh, warning. This is a hockey analogy. I think I might understand it if you get it right. <laughs> if I get it right. So if you've got, uh, let's say there's a shootout, right? And that's where somebody comes and tries to uh, put the puck through the net just one-on-one, you and a goalie, right? Yes. Okay. Say the, so this uh, hockey schmo is coming towards you and you're the goalie. Uh, do you go far, far back into the crease in your defensive position or do you come out a bit to try and uh, play with the angles so that uh, the it's harder to get into the net. You initially come out a little bit to uh, be aggressive and cut down the angle and, and, uh, and, and then, and eventually you probably back off a little bit, but initially you come out. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe, maybe that's what they're doing is that uh, they're just, it depends on the tactics of the situation, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. Sometimes you have to move out in order to have a better tactical advantage than staying within your defensive position because uh, you can't guard the whole thing. You're saying that the best defense is a good offense. Yes. Okay. I mean- it would work even better if the goalie could come out and punch the other other hockey player. No, right? there's not as much punching in hockey anymore. No, but that would work, right? Well, probably <laughs> if you, not. If you came out and somebody's trying to score on the on the goalie, and the goalie punched him in the face, and he couldn't score because he's punched in the face. Yeah, but there's a lot of things wrong with that, which we don't. Are need they to allowed get to? Goalies are allowed to fight, right? I mean, technically, no one's allowed to fight. You get a penalty for it, but yes, goalies have fought before. Come on, no one's allowed to fight. It's hockey. There's people whose whole job is to fight. But it's against Enforcers. the rules. It's against the rules of the game. Enforcers don't exist anymore. They, really? They're, they're just not really in the league anymore. There's the odd guy who, whose only skill is face punching, but it's really not as much of a thing as it used to be. The game is am, about speed and skill now. Am I out of touch on hockey? I mean, were you ever Could really in be? touch? Were you, yeah. <laughs> no, but I assume there, I've heard about enforcers. So maybe I could watch hockey and it would be all about skill and speed and tactics and it's there's not just, you know, guys punching each other and yeah, it's, it's, that's really the way it's gone. All right. I'm going to have to start watching hockey. All right. Well, we're so going to have, when to is it on Sunday nights? Isn't that called uh, hockey night in Canada? It's like Sunday night. Saturday. And there's, Saturday? there's a game on, you know, two, three times a week in this city, at least two, three nights a week with the Leafs. All right. Anyways, all right, I'll start watching. Hockey. We're going to have to get back to recapping this episode. So, yeah, yeah, okay. um, where did we leave off? Um, all the people, we go back to beta in his room and all the people there start getting up outside Rosita 
takes a long look at the windmill. And I wasn't sure what she was exactly looking at on the windmill. Uh, maybe that it wasn't moving. I don't know. Um, but just as she's doing that, somebody notices the fresh walkers in Alexandria and they start fighting back. So now we got people fighting walkers inside Alexandria. Oh no, they're in the perimeter. That's right. Beta goes to find Gamma in the cell. He opens- Because he knew she would be there somehow. I, somehow. I know. I wasn't going to mention it, but I, I don't know how he knew she was in there. But he does. And he goes to, he opens the door to let her out. Gamma says that Alpha lied and this place isn't so bad. He tries to intimidate her, you know, and stuff by saying like, step towards me and all that. But Gamma says she's not afraid of him. And as they're talking, Laura sneaks in and puts a big pike to Beta's neck and Gamma runs out for help. Yeah, I'm like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, she's dead. Yeah. So they fight. Even though she has an, uh, an obvious advantage. All she has to do is push it through his neck and, you know, he's probably done. Although it's Beta. And as we're going to find out soon, he is unkillable. But they fight in this moment. And of course it's Beta. So he gets the upper hand. He smashes poor Laura against the wall. She falls down, not moving on the ground. And I do believe we're supposed to think she's dead. Well, I obviously don't. No, right. Uh, first of all, I, I like Laura. Yeah, me too. I think she's a, she's a fun character. And when he was, uh, when uh, Beta was up against the wall and she had the pike to his neck, he so telegraphed what he was doing. Like his body started to shift and then his arms started to move. All she had to do was just go, and he was dead. Yep. She totally had the advantage. And if you're threatening somebody... Like if you're threatening somebody with a knife or a gun or something, don't go near them because they have uh, an infinitely larger number of possible uh, moves and maneuvers they could use to, uh, to get the upper hand. Uh, stay, stay a little bit back and preferably two people. Sure. Right. Or if you're, if you're able to sneak up on someone and get that close without them noticing, just take the shot, like take the kill shot, like oh, yeah. put the pipe the other thing. through like, his abdomen and, you know, he's not getting up from that. Although what we learned in this episode is people can take some pretty serious injuries and still get up. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing is, uh, don't hesitate. No. You know, he's a, he's a murder machine. He's a, he's a lich slash hill giant. Like that's a double whammy. Yeah. Uh, if you have the advantage, if you have the advantage and you have the opportunity to stab him through the neck when he doesn't see you, uh, you stab that fucker through the neck. Right. Especially that guy. Um, anyway, so Judith... Uh, sorry, Gamma runs outside and Judith calls to her. So Gamma goes inside the house above the cell to hide. Beta emerges from the basement and somehow knows to go into the house. I don't know. I guess he has super hearing too or something and he can hear them in there. Inside, he goes <laughs> upstairs. This he, was funny. What? what? This was funny. He breaks through the door, making a lot of noise. Yeah. And then he sneaks up the stairs. Yes. He sneaks slowly <laughs> up the stairs. Well, and he's... none of the stairs squeak. No. I don't know. You, you have a house that's been around for a while. I have a house that's been around not nearly as long as yours. Do your stairs squeak? Oh my God. So badly. <laughs> <laughs> All stairs squeak. Yeah. Unless, I mean, the house is brand new, but I can't walk anywhere up my stairs or on the second floor of my house without, you know, waking everybody up. All right. So let's say a hill giant has broken into your house and you're cowering upstairs with your family. You know your house. You know the sounds your house makes. You uh -huh. know the sound your house makes when people are walking through the house. Yes. If a hill giant was walking through your house, 
Would you know where they were? Every second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't, don't bother sneaking up the stairs, dude. You busted into the house. They know you're there. Just go up the stairs. Yeah, the guy like Kool-Aid man through the door and then he sneaks up the <laughs> stairs. Maybe he was just going slow to, you know, make sure he didn't miss anything. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, I found it hilarious. Yeah, he gets up to the top. He looks into one room. Then he approaches a door. He tries the handle a bunch and is shot through the chest, through the door. As soon as he, and the other thought that occurred to me when he busted through the door was, <laughs> oh my God, Judith's going to take him out. Right. And I was, I was, I would like, if Judith takes him out, uh, this is going to be my favorite episode of The Walking Dead in ever, and it could never be topped. Right. So Judith shoots the python through the door, hits him in the chest hard enough, knocks him backwards and down, and, um... And he appears to be not moving on the ground. So Gamma's in there. She sends the kids away. And as she's passing Beta on the floor, he grabs her foot suddenly. And she falls down and smashes her head on the floor and is unconscious. So the second time she's been unconscious in the, like the last 12 hours. She really needs to go to a doctor and have, uh, have some examinations done because she does, you know, getting knocked unconscious a couple of times in short order is, uh. It's not good. No, like at it, the very least, she has a concussion or something. Yeah. And so I was also annoyed that they didn't finish him off. Like if I had shot through the door and he was on the ground, I'd have put one in his skull just to be sure. Yeah. I mean, plot and armor. just had at least two other, you know, rounds in that, uh, in that Python. Like you could see them through the cylinder. Oh. Right? She, that thing was loaded. You take the second shot. Double tap, baby. Double tap. Double tap. Yeah. I, it's like the, the, the lack of dying in this episode was egregious. Like the plot armor on some of these characters was almost the worst it's ever been in this one. Um, now, Beta even does the cliche movie thing here. When he stands up, he opens his shirt to make sure the audience knows that he was wearing some <laughs> kind of bulletproof vest. Well, it was the bulletproof vest that the first guy was putting on that, uh, you know, the two guys that were talking about beating up Lilith and, uh, taking out Lydia, uh, as many, Lydia, uh, those two guys, he was, the first guy was putting on body armor. Yeah, I know. That's the body armor he was wearing. Okay, fine. But, but he didn't look any bulkier than he did when he crawled out of the grave. No, no, he did not. Um, and it's just, it's, it's such a cheese ball move. Like you see it all the time. Someone gets shot. They're dead. Oh, they're not. Got to open and show the bulletproof vest just so the audience knows how he survived. Well, that's a literal plot device shield. It right? is. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, this is where most of our holy craps for the episode came. So Michael in Ozark, Missouri wrote, holy crap, Judith knows how to use that python. Pa-pow! Beta should be dead. The kickback didn't even knock her down. <laughs> no, she, yeah. I mean, Practice. I guess. She does. She's had some practice. Sure. Jack on the internet wrote, holy crap, did you see that? The bad guy is shot and knocked down only to get up and be fine, cliche. For fuck's sakes, people, when you shoot the bad guy down like that, shoot him in the ankles to be sure. <laughs> or in the skull, right between the eyes. Yeah, that'll work Just too. Just for the heck of it. That'll you work know? too. But if, if you get, if you shoot someone's ankles off, I mean, they're not walking anytime soon, so. No, I mean, you can hobble them. You can also cut off his feet too. He would, probably wouldn't get very far. It's true. 
Uh, Mike in Des Moines, Iowa, USA, wrote, Holy crap, am I the only one that thought that the scene in which Beta was shot by Judith dropped to the floor and then sprang back to life was an absolute homage to the original Halloween movie? It was Michael Myers through and through, right down to the mask, the lighting, and a ghoul chasing a young woman and kid through the rooms of their house. Never saw it. Oh, God, I hate to admit I haven't either. <laughs> oh, Jesus. At least I'm not the only one this time. Uh, yeah, I've but, never seen a Halloween movie. Well, Mike, I t- we, I guess, take your word for it that it was uh, a tribute to the old original Halloween movie. And, you know, maybe that's another one, Jason, we should watch. Rectify that blind spot in our film history and talk about it on a future podcast. Um, Come on, maybe. I'm just saying maybe. Well, Okay. I, at this moment, I have no interest. <laughs> well, that doesn't bear into the decision at all. It's no, still of course could, not. Still could be fun. Yeah. Well, what you could do is just dictate that we watch it and I could refuse and then we'll do an episode about it and I'll say I haven't seen it and then I'll have to watch it five times. Right. And you don't want to get into that scenario. No, I don't want to get into that. So I'll cave right now and say that uh, if we want to watch it, we'll watch it. All right. Back to the episode. Um Suddenly, Rosita is there. So she's come into the house now, and she fights with Beta and actually gets some good shots in. Seems to injure him a little bit. You know, Rosita Rips can, his guts out. Rosita like can hold just, her own. Yeah. Right? I was hoping that, uh, it was hard to see what she was holding, and mm-hmm. I was thinking at first that she was holding a firearm, and I was, I was actually yelling at the screen, what are you waiting for? Just do it. But, yeah. but she had some kind of serrated weapon. Yeah, which was uh, was a nasty thing, and he got uh, he got his guts ripped open. Like he probably shouldn't survive this evening either. No, well, he got shot in the chest. I mean, ah, that was you know the arm the the vest caught it. I guess so. Yeah, I mean it hurts. It looks like a a huge wound, and it, it hurts like a motherfucker. But uh, at least you don't die. I guess so. But either way, he's now taken a shot. He's um he's been sliced by. Rosita. So yeah, he's in, should be in pretty rough shape, but ultimately in the fight, he gets the better of her. And just as he's about to kill her, Gamma from the doorway yells stop. And she has a big machete or knife to her own neck, threatening to kill herself. And she says that Alpha wants her alive. So, you know, you kill Rosita, I kill myself and you're failed your mission. This reminded me of Blazing Saddles. A movie you have seen. The movie I have seen, you know, right. that scene where the, one of the main characters holds the gun to his own neck. Okay. And says, if you don't back down, I'm going to shoot the N word. <laughs> oh God, that's an outdated movie. <laughs> well, it is an outdated movie, but it was also making fun of that very, uh, stereotype and trope, right? It right. was just a, a satirical look at racism. Yeah. So it was, uh, it did that on purpose or, you know, Mel Brooks did that on purpose when right. writing it. So it can be forgiven in a sort of a way. He also did the same thing with, uh, I'm trying to think of a movie with Matthew, Matthew Broderick, or it was a, uh, it was a play, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. But it was uh, a movie? About, about, yeah. And then they turned it into a movie. It was about Nazis, uh, Bedtime for Hitler, something like that. Didn't, isn't, you're not thinking of the producers or whatever that Yeah, one, the producers, that's that, it. That had the two of them. Okay. Yeah. That's Mel Brooks looking at, uh, the Nazis, right? Right. And, and, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a satirical look at 
uh, a situation that uh, you know need needed to be made fun of. Sure, Jojo so it's Rabbit. Not just that it was it was it was not just that the Blazing Saddles was racist because it is, uh-huh. but it is on purpose and it takes it to the nth degree. Sure, yeah. Well, Jojo Rabbit from this year is another movie that takes a comedic. Oh yeah. Look at I want to see that. Nazis. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um uh it's 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 nice because it's comedic but also ha- has a point and is as you know uh is a serious or has a serious sort of theme but is also funny, you know? Yeah. So I recommend it. You got to make fun of it. You got to make fun of it to take away its power. Right. Exactly. Well, anyways, after this scene with Alpha in, or with Gamma in the doorway there, we cut immediately to the forest and Beta is escorting Gamma back. So I guess he decided, yep, this is, uh, um, you're, you're good. I need to take you back alive and we can just walk out the front door of Alexandria, I suppose. Well, I assume they went back through the grave. I don't know. I mean, who knows? They, they, they were out there somehow. Well, they have an easy, you know, historically, whispers can get out of, you know, towns fairly easily uh-huh. with prisoners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you so. Know, Alpha did that with a whole bunch of people who she eventually put the heads on spikes. Oh right? God, that's right. She got like 10 people out. So yeah. So they can just come and go as they feel, I guess. Seems to be something they can do. Well, they're out there. Suddenly they're ambushed by Father Gabe and his team, but Beta just runs away through the forest. Which is exactly what you're supposed to do. Right? I know. If I have, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. If you get ambushed, just fucking run. Right. Because you have no way to react to it other than just run away. So that's what he does. He runs and he gets away. Um, Gamma is sort of fumbling for words, but says she drew him out and, you know, saying like, this isn't, you know, I wasn't with him. He was like taking me away kind of thing. And this time Father Gave believes her and lowers his shotgun. After the commercial break, it's nighttime. We're back at the gas station. Alpha pulls off her mask. Daryl seems to be barely breathing on the floor at this point. Alpha starts talking about dying and how it's pleasurable for her. She thanks Daryl for making her strong, i.e. becoming a walker, I think is what she was getting at. So uh, just what I wanted to point out here was this this is the first time Alpha spoke in this episode. Really? Yes. Okay. She hasn't said a word up until now. So we're, you know, 35 minutes into a 45 minute episode and it's the first time she spoke. Uh-huh. Spoke. Spoked? Spoke. Speak did. Yeah. Uh, I actually really liked this episode up until this moment. And then it took a big left turn and I disliked it from this point forward. Because she I started I may have talking? been trying to pick it apart. I've been picking it apart up until now, but- the, all the beta shit that, uh, where he raised that army of zombies and, uh, he was a killing machine and was unkillable, uh, all the other stuff, everything else in this episode, I actually really liked and really enjoyed. I liked the fact that Alpha and Daryl got, uh, into a fight and they both were severely injured. So it seemed to me that actions had consequences, even though nobody died. Right. People should have died, but. Actions had actual real world consequences in severe injury, let's say. Uh, so up until this point, I actually really liked this episode and I was excited about where it was going to go. But then she started fucking talking and it just drove me crazy. Every word she said was annoying and uh, the episode just took a big left turn and I hated it from this point forward. Well, I can see where you're coming from. Um, 
I mean, I, the Walking Dead I, over the years has had a little bit of a a problem like that, right? When when Eugene was first introduced, and I guess the whole time with Eugene, he's had a a bizarre way of of speaking, and sometimes it's annoying, and sometimes it's not. You know, Negan was annoying for a long time there. Uh, now we have Alpha, who has her own kind of unique way of communicating and just the intonation she uses in her voice and stuff like that, I think can get to you. Maybe that's the point though. Like maybe they're trying to make you angry and uncomfortable when you hear her talk. Couldn't that be the case? They're trying too hard. <laughs> they might be trying too hard. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting point that I hadn't thought of that. She hadn't said a word and you're right. When she does start talking, you can't help but think, Oh God, here she goes again. Yeah, for being a whisperer, she talks too much. Yeah, she may you know, talk too beta much. Beta is better, right? He doesn't. He barely talks at all. And when he does, you can tell he doesn't like it. Right, he doesn't want to be doing it, yeah. Yeah, I have to talk. I'm going to have to beat you up because you made me talk, you bastard. Yeah, well, Alpha is here talking and she's going on and on. She mentions Lydia and Daryl responds at this point by saying that Alpha drove her away because she didn't love her. And uh, this makes Alpha get up and try to walk over to him, but she takes a few steps and then collapses. And while she's lying on the floor, hallucinating or delirious, uh, a blurry figure of Lydia approaches, and she appears to have a collection of arrows on her back, which uh, sort of reminded me of, like, maybe she has Daryl's crossbow or something like that, but I don't know. Uh, Alpha's delirious on the ground. She starts, I think she starts reciting that Lydia song that we got yeah. way back in the origin story of those two. Uh, she pulls out a knife and puts it to her own chest. She wants Lydia to stab her, killing her, and let her turn into a zombie. But Lydia says she won't do it and says, I'm not you. And uh, she says that Daryl's people are human. They're not perfect, but they're human. And that's all she ever wanted and what Alpha never gave her. So at yeah. first I wasn't sure if Lydia was actually here, but turns out she was actually there. And it wasn't just Alpha hallucinating. Um, she actually was talking to her daughter. I kind of, I think that's the assumption I made, that it was real. It seemed like a hallucination, but I assumed it was real. And I was hoping that she would stab Alpha, be like, yeah, okay, you suck as a mom. I I'm going to kill you. I kind of was too. I think that would have actually been a pretty impactful death scene, right? Your own daughter murders you uh, because you couldn't give her the kind of life she wanted, even in the zombie apocalypse. So, you know, I sort of knew deep down that they aren't going to just kill Alpha off right here unexpectedly, but I think it might've worked. It's too early in the half season. Right. right? Yeah. I was hoping that Beta would get killed by uh, Judith. I was hoping that Alpha would get killed uh, by Lydia. Uh, I was hoping Daryl would die. That absolutely would never happen no. now with, you know, Rick and Michonne leaving. Yep. Uh, so I was, uh, I was hoping for more consequences. Like I was, I was saying that the, it seemed like actions had consequences, but I was, I really wanted somebody to die this episode just to shake things up a little bit. Yeah. There was a limit to the consequences in this one and they were there sometimes. I think I agree with you there, but they didn't go all the way. And they could have really surprised us with a beta death. I mean, honestly, if anyone was going to die, it was probably going to be beta. But 
They yeah, could have surprised that, us with something big. I that's what I, I really, really, my whole heart and soul was into. Oh my god, uh, Beta's unkillable until he meets Judith for the first time, and then she just offs him with that, that fucking python. That's a pretty great storyline. <laughs> I so wanted that. I so wanted that more than anything else out of a television show. Yeah. And they uh, they couldn't make it happen. I'm hoping that the the actual hero moment of, of Beta's death uh, will be better than this, but I don't think that they'll get a, they'll get a chance to make it better than that could have been. No, no. And, and, and even just the surprise of it would have amped it up, I think, for everybody in this one a little bit. You yeah. know. All right, well, we cut out to the next day. Alpha wakes up. She's still lying on the floor. She's less delirious now. She gets up. Daryl is gone, but Alpha's knife is still there, and carved into the table is a message that says, your way is not the only way. So I guess- Yeah, that'll, that'll teach that murderous bitch of a mom of mine yeah. that she should change her ways and- uh, you know, become a human being and come back to society and not be the person that she's always been. That's right. Leave her a message. Yeah, leave her a message because that always works. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we see Father Gabe and Scott. Remember Scott? They come to the grave uh, and Scott mentions that the whisperers sealed whole sections of the tunnels off. So obviously now... I mean, there are tunnels under there, whether they're sewers or tunnels, I don't know, but the whispers sealed them off, I guess, I don't know, so that he, so that Beta would know which way to go to get there and not get lost. Put up a sign. Put up a sign. Yeah. Draw some arrows. I don't know. At this moment. It's very confusing. It is a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, At this moment, how they even know how he got in, I guess the grave is dug, but would you assume that that's where he came in? I don't know. Uh, anyways, at this moment, Aaron returns, he asks what happens and then tells them that not everyone got out of the mine. So, you know, now they know that some people are stuck in there. Um, we see Rosita leaving with a caravan to go to see the doctor at Hilltop and she's leaving Coco behind in Alexandria with Father Gabe. Uh, Gamma is going as well. And in the back of their truck or back of their wagon, Gamma or Rosita introduces herself and they shake hands. So... (laughs) They're buddies now. In kind of an asshole way. I like, hi, I'm of. Rosita. It's like, well, I'm, what was her name, Mary? Mary, yeah. I'm Mary, I know. Right. Fuck off. <laughs> Might <laughs> well, be a jerk know, about it. They got to warm up to each other. They've been through a lot. Uh, <laughs> well, Dar- introduce yourself if you're just going to be a jerk five seconds later. I guess so, yeah. Wait until you're feeling- I know, I know your name. You don't have to tell me your fucking name <laughs> after you politely introduce yourself. God, well, you can you imagine know. doing that at, at like some kind of schmoozing party. You, you meet somebody that uh, uh, that you know who they are, and you finally get to meet them. And you say, "Hi, I'm Chris," and they say, "Well, hi, I'm uh, I'm Wayne Gretzky." It's like I know. <laughs> like, well, fuck. Why are you being a jerk to Wayne Gretzky? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be a jerk to him. He's the great one. Uh, Daryl. He wakes up in the forest, and of course, Lydia's there. I guess she patched him up and carried him away. <laughs> Carried him. Carried him away and patched She up dragged his... him through, like, out into the woods. Yeah. And then left him leaning against a tree. And, uh, and he slept for 12 hours or something like that. But I guess she's, yeah. she's you know, fixed up his leg somehow. With a poultice? Like, were you able to knit together that uh, artery that got split by a knife with, uh, I assume, dirt and some leaves? You know what? 
these are questions we aren't going to get the answer to, so we probably shouldn't ask. But yeah, yeah that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's all I can tell you. Uh, anyways, Daryl asks if she killed Alpha, and she responds with a question that if it was your father, could you have killed him? So the answer is no, and as we all know, Alpha's still alive. Well, the answer is maybe, right? Well, I mean, Do we she... know much about uh, Daryl's father, whether he would have killed him? Well, don't we know that his his father was a real a-hole and not yeah. very good to them and stuff like that? Yeah, well, I don't know. If well, Darryl... how come the answer is no? If I asked Daryl that, I wouldn't know what the answer was. You know, if you had the option to kill your dad uh, because he was such an asshole and murdering other people, would you do it? He'd probably go, yeah, what? Yeah, of course. Okay, maybe. I don't know. Luckily, I'm not in that situation. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we all know Alpha is still alive. And uh, then we cut over to her, the final scene of the episode. She's lying on a table. She's being treated by other whisperers. They kind of help her up. And she starts that whisperer chant about bathing in blood and being free and fearing nothing and so on. And it ends with, this is the end of the world. We are the end of the world. And we cut to black. After everything Alpha has taught her whisperer followers, would they help her or just leave her there? Because turning into a walker is sort of like an ultimate goal for these uh, people? That and their animals and, you know, helping somebody. They leave babies on the ground because they're crying. Yeah. Would you help? Do you help somebody who's injured uh, and heal them so that they can uh, be infirmed for a while and you have to protect them and they can't? do their job as a, uh, as an animal. Well, I mean, here's the funny thing, like alpha kind of preaches that, you know, like survival of the fittest and so on. But if you listen to beta, he's all about, you know, that's your alpha. You, you do what alpha says and so on. And I do feel like beta would go out of his way to rescue or treat or whatever, you know, if she was, if she was in trouble. Um, so yeah. maybe the rest of the whisperers kind of take that approach, but you're right. If you listen to alpha talk, the best idea is just to let them die and move on yeah. because so that's what we do. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Correct. <laughs> like an animal farm. <laughs> yeah. It's the whole thing is animal farm. Well, the, you know, animal farm is an allegory for, you know, everything that has ever happened. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. It's a revolution to needing a new revolution. Yeah. It's a good book, man. I haven't read that in a long time, but I have read it a couple times. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, that's, uh, the walking dead season 10, episode 10. And there was some okay stuff in here. There was some good stuff in here, but I also thought there was some kind of bad stuff in here. All these characters had big time plot armor and the whole tunnel to the grave thing just didn't work at all for me. So I'm, I'm starting to get a little concerned. I know it's only been a couple of episodes, but the whole cave mine thing wasn't handled very well. And now we have this episode, which was at least 50% not great, in my opinion, where coming off of season nine and the first half of season 10, I, I can barely list a bad episode in all of those. And now we've had a couple in a row. And again, I don't want to say bad, but. A couple in they a row just that I gotta stay above ground and they'll be fine. A, a couple in a row that I've had more problems with than usual lately. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, stay above ground and I think you'll be okay. <laughs> Don't no more tunnels, no more mystery mines, um, you know, no more ridiculous plot armor. 
or or at least minimize it because I know it has to happen sometimes. But you know, I hope they're not running out of ideas here. Yeah. Uh, so stay above ground. The two lessons we've learned from this episode that I think is uh, stay above ground and don't almost kill people and then not kill them. Yeah. If you're not going right. to kill them, don't have it don't, come so close. Yeah. Don't put them in situations where they should be dead. Yes. Very good. I like that advice. Yeah. Can, can we name a, anything that behaves like that? I mean, I mean, we can name all kinds of things, the movies and television where they stay above ground, right? Uh-huh. Most of them do, you know, really. Yeah. But all television and movies will put people in situations where they should have been dead and they aren't. I guess that happens all the time. You're right. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Well. You know, in any movie he's ever been in. Pretty much any big action have star. Yeah. <laughs> well. I don't know. Here it bothers me um, more than usual. So I just just keep it together. Keep it together, guys. Come on. We've been on such a good run for a long time here. Uh, I don't want it to start falling apart again. So, yeah. All right. That is it for this podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, If you would like to help out with the show, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can visit our uh, Patreon page at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge. Or if uh, you'd rather do a one-time thing, just visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. And uh, you can, you know, send a little bit of uh, your admittedly hard-earned cash our way, but all the money collected goes into the hosting and all the costs associated with the podcast. And we greatly appreciate everyone who listens, but also everyone who is willing to help out a little bit. Um, So we'll be back on Thursday this week with our listener feedback show. So make sure you get that in and we'll talk a little bit more on that episode about what's going to happen in the following two weeks, because that's when I am going to be on a two week road trip to Florida to go to Harry Potter world, which I think is actually called wizarding world with my kids. They are very, very excited and we're going to be doing a lot of driving, staying in a lot of hotels and motels and things like that. So recording is going to be difficult, Uh, but we'll try to figure something out and we'll talk a bit more about it uh, on the next show. So in the meantime, though, I think it would be great if you got in touch and you can do that by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top sending us a message or just record yourself into your phone and email us that file. That would be fantastic. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And you can send all those emails to talking at gmail.com. So do that over the next couple of days and we will do feedback on Thursday night, reading as much of it as possible. All right. That is it for tonight, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Ah, hello. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Please, come in. Chris and Jason have just popped off to change into something a little more comfortable. You know what those boys are like. Please sit down, help yourself to a drink, and welcome to the Talking Dead After Hours. Hey everybody, we're going to do a really quick 
after hours bit right here um, with a call from Lee in St. Catharines, who's just kind of following up on something you talked about, I think a few podcasts ago now, Jason. Oh, so shit. No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, important information. Well, for you and me, and I guess that for doesn't Lee. doesn't mean I'm not in trouble. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think you're in trouble. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, maybe this won't be of interest to very many people, but we'll see. Here we go. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is uh, Lee in St. Catharines. You guys were talking a couple shows ago about Pickering and uh, if the power goes out, what would happen? Well, I work for OPG, so I asked around and I found out some information. Um, there's about 500 workers per unit. Uh, Pickering has six units, so you got about 3,000 3, people working at Pickering. And um, if the power goes out, or if, if there was an apocalypse situation, there is a four core redundancy, they called it. Um, first, they have the grid that will shut down the system automatically if there's electricity. If there's no grid, then they go to a diesel, they go to several diesel generators, which have a month's worth of diesel there. So everything will be able to shut down. Then they got another system I didn't find out too much more about, and another system. So they got four levels of redundancies on shutting the system down safely. Um, so the, the nuclear power plant shouldn't blow up. So Jason, you should be okay. Um, hopefully that helped you guys out and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Thanks Lee. So, uh, the, you mentioned living near a nuclear power plant and it turns yeah. out Lee in St. Catharines works for the, uh, Ontario power generation, which is yeah. know, the government board that's responsible for running our plants and generating our power. And he sent that in with some information about the redundant systems in the event of a, some sort of catastrophic failure. Well, that's fucking great. So you should feel good and feel safe and, uh, get on with your life. Yeah. I, uh, I think four layers of redundancy is, uh, is, is quite good. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind 38 level levels of redundancy, but. You know, you get what you get. Yeah. Uh, so four is fantastic. I'm glad that we uh, have a plan for, holy shit, everything's gone to hell. Uh, we better shut this plant down so it doesn't explode. Uh, and that 3,000 people, like, that's a lot of people. That work there, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised by the sheer volume of uh, employees that they would have. I mean, you... So I assume that's over three shifts a day, right? Yeah. Like it's not just... It's not just, uh, you know, everybody's always there all at once. Well, no, no, of course. I mean, there are people manning these things 24 hours a day. So yeah, at least three shifts a day. Um, but that's a, that's a ton of people. I mean, you'd think that these things could practically run themselves by now and there wouldn't be as many people, but I guess you need. Well, I'm glad there. there's lots of people. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. So anyway, I, you know, I went to university for physics uh, way back in the, uh, back in the, in the days that physics was historical. Uh, <laughs> <What>? so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think that, you know, if I had a chance to do it over instead of quitting university and moving to Toronto to be in a band, uh, I would <laughs> like to think that, uh, I would have gone through and gotten a doctorate in physics and, uh, worked in a nuclear power plant. Imagine how life, how different your life would be had you done that. It could be zero different. I could be living right here and working at the, uh, the Pickering nuclear plant and, uh, no, but if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have met you and then I wouldn't have met my wife. Yeah. I, it'd probably be a little different, but. It probably, yeah. Hey, so, maybe it'd be yeah. way better. You wouldn't have spent 
like probably 800 I can't imagine why it wouldn't be 800 hours online <laughs> talking about a tv show <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that it's totally fine <laughs> <laughs> no life has turned out perfectly everything's wonderful and uh, i can't imagine it being better in fact everything is exactly how it is supposed to be well yeah we can talk about fate and destiny some other time all right but for now i think everybody has a destiny but it's not preordained Okay. Like all, you know, cause shit's going to happen and ultimately things are going to end up the way they end up, but that doesn't mean it's preordained. I think people might want to hear more about that someday. So we'll uh, file that away in the possible future after hours, uh, uh, topics file. Yeah. Think of it as why is Jason becoming a nihilist? <laughs> <laughs> Let's pose that question. All right. Well, thank you, Lee, for sending that in and, uh, Jason, you, yeah. you can feel good about the plant not killing you all in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Well, I, I certainly would hope it wouldn't be, you know, the source of my death. Right. Because there's- Because that also means it's not just me, right? It's, it'd be, it'd be pretty weird if the plant, nuclear power plant just killed me. Well, you'd, you'd feel like it would have a vendetta against you then, which it probably yeah. doesn't. Nuclear energy is mad at me for some reason. <laughs> so if the nuclear power plant kills me, it kills a whole bunch of people and that sucks ass. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's lots of redundancy there. Let alone the zombies. They're killing people too. Yeah. All right. See you next time, everybody. Ciao.